We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The Uncontested is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online, the fastest, easiest, and safest way to bet on all things sports. It seems crazy to me that we're already to this point of the year. Um, this year is flying by already, but one of my favorite times of the year, March Madness, the Masters, and the Major League Opening Day are right around the corner. And Bet Online has you covered for all the latest news, scores, and odds to help you win big. The best part? You'll receive 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Head over to betonline.ag and use our promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your literal free money. Plus, signing up is a great way to support the podcast you're listening to in your ears right now, aka The Uncontested. Again, that's promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, when you sign up at betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. What is up, Thunder fans, and welcome to the Uncontested Postgame Podcast. We are a proud part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network, and whether you're interested in NBA, NFL, soccer, um, MLB, sports gambling, literally just about anything wrestling, Blue Wire has you guys covered, so be sure to check them out. Um, you can find them online. You can find them at Blue Wire Pods on Twitter. Um, they have so many different awesome podcasts for you guys, so be sure to check them out. And if you haven't already, if you're listening to this, you probably have, but you can find us anywhere you listen to your podcast as well as um, on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and just about any social media platform as well. Um, so definitely keep an eye out for that. Um, and with all that being said, the th- 
comeback kids, as I like to call them these days, even though they aren't really kids. There's some kids, um, but quite a few vets. But we're going to go ahead and call them the comeback kids. The comeback kids, a.k.a. the Oklahoma City Thunder, come back from 19 points in the third quarter to beat the Sacramento Sacramento Kings 112 to 108 for their uh, drum roll, please. Their fifth straight win and the 14th win of their last 17 games. That's pretty good, Thunder fans. Pretty good. Um, Thunder maintained the fifth place in the West. And meanwhile, the Portland Trailblazers lose yet another game, this time to the Pacers. And the only reason I bring it up on this podcast is just a little shout out um, because of all of our new Blazer fans, uh, listeners, and followers on our Twitter account. Uh, thanks to Thunder ND for getting shout, shouted out by a dame on Twitter. Um, Thunder ND quote tweeted our tweet. Um, and it wasn't even necessarily about the Blazers. Uh, it was just about the Thunder, you know, pretty much being a lock for the playoffs. But you know what? That doesn't matter. We're just going to go ahead and move along. So real quick, before we jump into tonight's game, I actually found and saved a couple of uh, really cool stats earlier today that kind of jumped out to me that I wanted to share with you guys. Um, so outside of maybe defensive rating, I think all these stats should have either stayed the same or improved after tonight's win. So the first of these, over the last 15 games, the Thunder have the third best net rating in the league. Now, again, that's uh, not including t- today's game, but third net, net rating in the league, including the number one offensive rating and the number eight defensive rating. That is per Kirk Goldsberry. Another stat, in the clutch, the Thunder had a 124.2 offensive rating, which is first in the NBA. Hint, that probably increased after tonight. Just a little uh, preview for tonight's pod. They had a 96.3 defensive rating in the clutch, third in the NBA, a 27.8 net rating, first in the NBA. And if you include tonight, that makes 27 wins in clutch time, which is the most in the NBA pretty incredible Uh, this team does not find a game that they cannot win in the clutch but it makes for a very fun and exciting season as you thunder fans are very well aware now i feel like that's a great segue into tonight's game i mentioned a couple of those hints (laughs) um so tonight they won yet again in clutch time and first off De'Aaron fox did not play so combine that with the fact that the kings have struggled basically all season the thunder were on a first night of a back-to-back and they have to play the best team in the East tomorrow, the Milwaukee Bucks at home, who are incredible at home, by the way. I personally felt that all those reasons um, were why that the Thunder maybe should have rested some of their vets, such as the injury-prone Chris Pauls and the Danilo Gallinari's. Um, they're frequently banged up Steven Adams, even though he's been pretty incredible post-Ulster break when he's had a little bit of rest, as we mentioned on post-pods, or uh, <laughs> some of our previous podcasts uh, recently. And maybe even Shooter. You know, he hasn't really quite seemed like himself ever since he tweaked that uh, that ankle right right after the All-Star break. He would have been another great guy maybe to rest. So I was all aboard that. Um, but all of that was to say that the Thunder did not rest their players. However, it seemed the first two and a half quarters or so that those players may have just decided on their own to just kind of take tonight off. They weren't really trying on either, uh, I shouldn't say either end. Um, they certainly were trying the offensive end, but their defense was not the same. Ball movement did not look the same on the offensive end. Um, 
they kind of looked like a team who was a little tired and maybe looking ahead to the Bucks game tomorrow night, Friday night. So let's go ahead and do a quick, uh, a quick breakdown of the game because, like I said, it was pretty interesting that last quarter and a half. So the first quarter, I should first note that my guy uh, Harrison Barnes has stated that he will not, um, will not shave until the Kings get back to. 500 <laughs> and my guy is looking scraggly shout out my Kangs fans right um it's pretty bad thoughts and prayers to harrison barnes next uh steven was aggressive early starting the game off with a huge dunk which is pretty awesome and side note i didn't look this up and to be completely honest like this is like super deep uh b-ball reference stuff i actually tweeted them asking about this so we'll see if they get back to me but i wonder how many times the thunder win when Steven scores first, because it seems like almost every time he does, the Thunder end up pulling it off. Um, it always seems to kind of be our good luck charm. Maybe that's just me being a Thunder fan. That's just one of my favorite things. But um, I always love seeing Steven start the game off with a big big basket, whether it's a, a standard Steven floater in the paint or a big dunk like tonight. Big fan. Big fan here. However, that aggressiveness kind of backfired some because Steven picked up two fouls early and had to sit after a great, aggressive start. And again, I'm not like necessarily saying he should have toned it back. I'm all about that. Unfortunately, he just kind of backfired tonight. Um, the refs were calling it pretty tight the entire game, and that resulted in two early fouls for Steven. So the other thing that kind of stood out to me early is that the Kings threw a couple different looks at OKC defensively. Um, they tried playing a zone. Then they switched it up almost immediately and went back to a man-to-man. And they kind of, um, I didn't play a whole lot of zone necessarily tonight, but they just kind of switched it up. And they tried to throw Thunders, the Thunders offense off early, and it, and it seemed to work, especially that first half. It really kind of, like I said, threw OKC off their offensive game, um, kind of stalled ball movement, and it worked really well for, them, for the Kings in the first half. Chris Paul, he got smoked in the nose fairly early on, or I guess it was like towards the end of the first quarter, um, or midway through the first quarter, I should say. He comes back in towards the end of the first he has some gauze in his nose, uh, but still seemed like a little shooken up, um, and rightfully so for the rest of the half. He got smoked in the face, and obviously that's never fun. I'd rather you've played pickup basketball or any form of, of sports whatsoever. Getting him in the face is never fun. It seemed to kind of affect Chris early on. Uh, the Thunder were down 29-25 after the first, mainly due to, to the Kings getting seven free throws, and they made all of them. They were uh, perfect from the line, actually, in the first half, which is pretty crazy. And they also out-rebounded OKC 14-10 with Steven um, coming out early with foul trouble, like I mentioned earlier. Second quarter, it got ugly fast. It was a bad second quarter. 15-3 Kings run from 2.53 left in the first quarter until early-ish in the second. Um, and related, the Thunder started the quarter, the second quarter, 1-9 from the field. But it wasn't just on the offensive end. <laughs> the Thunder um, defensively, the rotations were extremely slow, especially here in the second quarter. They just kind of felt a step slow on all rotations. Uh, they were biting on ball fakes. They were reaching and fouling. Sometimes they weren't even really trying. And as great as Gallo was offensively, I noticed a couple times, especially on defense, where he just, I mean, look, he's not a great defender necessarily to begin with. We've seen him picked on um, against some of the elite teams that we've played against so far this season. But there's just times where he's like, I just go right by him. Um, the Thunder just didn't really seem like they were trying defensively early on, and that was huge in the first half. Thunder were down 61-50 to at half, 
they let Henry Giles III get 15 first half points, only five away from his career high, I believe, which is uh, pretty absurd. The Kings continue to be per- perfect from the free throw line. Like I mentioned earlier, they were 10 and 10 from the line heading into the, heading into the third quarter. So first half of the third quarter was pretty much a continuation of the second quarter. It was almost reminiscent of how OKC came out against uh, the Bulls on Tuesday. Me and Jake did that post-game podcast. And if you guys listened, um, the third quarter was pretty ridiculous <laughs> considering that they were up like 20-plus and gave up that lead in the third quarter. Um, now, it wasn't quite that bad. They didn't give up a lead, but they they let the Kings um, improve their lead up to 19 points at one point. And after who I believe, uh, I think it was... Uh, again, Gallo's the third. He blew by Gallo yet again <laughs> with little defensive effort. I eventually tweeted out on our on our uh, the uncontested uh, Twitter account that this team was unchar- uncharacteristically uninterested. Uh, they were uninterested in playing this game. They'd already started looking towards the Bucks game tomorrow. Like I mentioned, uh, the the best team of the East. It almost seemed like they were just they almost wished they were being rested tonight, for lack of a better term. Um, and I felt that it may be in Billy's best interest to throw in the flag and just rest some of these guys that I mentioned at the top of this podcast um, for tomorrow's big game. But from there, of course, the Thunder proved me wrong. Uh, like I said, they were down by as much as 19, but a couple things happened here. A, Billy kind of listened to me. He kind of listened to me. He did kind of rest some of those guys and threw in some reserves, such as uh, he didn't play Ferg in the second half at all. He played Diallo and Nader instead. Yes, I said Nader and Diallo. <laughs> and it ended up working really well. Homie came in with the Thunder down 18. And Jacob actually refer- referred to this in our Slack, and I thought it was a great point. He kind of called him the spark plug. And he was exactly right because even though Homie didn't score a lot, he got a tech, <laughs> came out with some aggression, slapped the ball. I think it was out of Bazemore's hands. Um, ended up getting a double tech on him, and Bazemore just came out with aggression from the very beginning when he got in and really helped spark this team, and it gave them the fire they needed to complete the comeback, in my opinion. I mean, he was grabbing rebounds, getting reflections. He was saving saving plays from uh, going out of bounds and, and creating new possessions for the Thunder. He was pushing the ball. He's just so fast. At one point, I even tweeted at Calmier. I was like, because uh, the NFL combine is going on right now. And Calmier has an OU podcast. Um, so I asked him, who's faster, Diallo or uh, C.D. Lamb? <laughs> because Diallo is just so explosive and so quick. So, uh, there was one play in particular where he was able to get the steal, push the ball down the floor, and get it to somebody else who was running the, running the floor with him. I can't even remember who it was. It was either um, Mime and Nader, for that matter. But regardless, he's just so fast. He's brought a, a brand new intensity to the game. And I mentioned Nader. I mean, he did this as well. Um, I actually had a tweet about Nader. <laughs> there was a, a drive that he had in the third where I was just, I, I said, oh gosh, three different times because I didn't want him to drive. He drove. At the first time I said, oh gosh, was when he started the drive. Uh, he had two defenders, uh, two Kings defenders um, during <laughs> that came and guarded him during his drive and I was thinking oh no this is bad then he gets under the basket instead of finishing he fumbles the ball he's almost out of bounds he fumbles the ball I'm thinking oh no this ball's going out of bounds that was the second time I said oh no or oh gosh or whatever I said right he's able to save the ball from going out of bounds he essentially recovers his fumble for lack of a better sense I kind of relating back to football terms 
he's able to find a Nerlens, a slashing Nerlens uh, right around the rim for a wide open dunk, creates a big play, just stuff like that. Um, Nader is not always, like I said, a lot, it's like 50 50 when he drives to the rim. That ball could have easily gone out of bounds. That ball could have easily gotten stolen when he drove to the rim, but he was able to make the right play, find Nader. That was a huge spark for the center in the third. Uh, the 50 50 gamble, as I like to call it, it worked well in Billy's favor. And um, I mentioned that was the A, a very long A, but B, the Thunder got in the bonus early. Uh, they got fouled often in the third quarter. I even tweeted again and joked that, of course, the Thunder would come back at this point. I think it was like 15 points at this point. Um, of course, they would come back from down 15 uh, based off free throws alone. <laughs> and that's kind of what happened in the third. They were able to hit quite a few free throws, and that sparked a, a comeback. And at, at that point, I, there's one point in the third quarter where Gallo came came in had a big in one a huge in one made it a 10 point game and then he proceeds to hit a three right after this ignited shooter who finally kind of got it going after i thought maybe he was still banged up i wasn't sure what was going on uh shooter got it going he was playing aggressive again and from that point some things happen in between next thing we know thunder end up going on a 21 to 5 run to get within two they outscored the, the kangs 31 to 21 in the third quarter so then we transition to the fourth quarter. Thunder get back in the bonus with 9 minutes, 47, 47 seconds left in the game. Got in the bonus again early. Kings are fouling a lot. There was some bad calls probably on both ends of the floor. Um, but the Thunder was being aggressive. They are just playing aggressive. Uh, their outside shot wasn't working. And so they drove to the rim and it worked. Um, Shea had a quiet third quarter but got much louder in the fourth. Had some huge drives to the rim. And they were either resulting in fouls, and he even had a couple of ones that were just ginormous. I'll get into that here in a little bit. And then at 5.55 left in the game, probably my moment of the game, my play of the game, Gallo gets a steal. He finds Shooter, who, who's running the floor with him on the fast break. Shooter gives the ball back to Gallo because there's a defender between them. Gallo uh, goes up on an alley-oop. He didn't finish the dunk, but he was able to finish the, the play results in an and one puts the thunder up two at this point um then the next offense possession thunder able to get a stop again they haven't been able to do that but they were in the fourth um shea goes gets in there insane and one scoop i'm not sure how he, he makes some of these shots but he gets an and one scoop scores on the next possession and then a couple possessions later uh, another huge play chris paul aka clutch paul stay tuned just a little little fyi um so clutch paul gets a huge four-point play couple possessions later he basically just i mean it was it, he took he took uh guys a third to school and he he sinks a three the bad news is he hurt his already wrapped pinky something kind of keep an eye on had some uh some black tape on that pinky which i believe was his shooting hand probably should have gone back and and checked that but um he hurts his pinky he's kind of grabbing at it he actually misses the free throw to make it a four point play um and kind of seemed a little banged up but that didn't stop him. Um, Shooter turns the ball over up when the Thunder are up three, the next possession. Kings miss the uh, the shot, they get the ball back, and then they can score. But I mentioned Clutch Paul. Clutch Paul gets fouled. Uh, Thunder able to get the ball in bounds. Chris Paul gets fouled, hits it both free throws, even with his hurt hand. And uh, the Kings get the ball again, they miss. That's ball game. So I know uh, I went pretty in-depth on that game breakdown because of it like i said it was it was so fun um especially that fourth quarter <laughs> and like i said the last quarter and a half were super fun uh, prior to that it was not so much but 
I'm going to try and get through these these next themes fast, but it wouldn't be a post-game podcast without some positives and negatives. So as always, we will end on positives. Always want to end on positives. Never want to, never want to end on negatives. Um, so first, some negatives, obviously. Thunder shooting wasn't necessarily terrible, but I'm still going to throw it in the negative category for a couple of reasons. First, Thunder are shooting 35.7% from three this season, which actually seems kind of low when, when you just kind of watch the game. But when you dig into the stats, they're only shooting 35.7% from the field the entire season. That's still pretty solid, especially from the three-point line. But they only shot 34.6% or 9 of 26 from three tonight. Um, and then you look at post-All-Star break. Granted, I know that that's a limited amount of games. Okay, so he's not played a lot of games since the All-Star break, but post-All-Star break, the Thunder have shot 51.8% from the floor and 40.4% from three. Those are both pretty crazy numbers. And like I said, in limited games, but still, you take tonight's 34.6 from three into consideration. That feels pretty low. And that just kind of shows how we expect some of these shots to go in because it's not that's not a terrible number. Um, but tonight, that was pretty huge, particularly when the it seemed like the Kings were not missing, especially in the first half, like I mentioned earlier. Buddy Hill just hit some huge shots. Um, and, you know, like I said, Giles III was just getting just about anything down low. Um, so... Thunder's outside shooting was not working for them, so it was, it was really good to see them in the second half go uh, just be more aggressive, start attacking the Kings and getting to the free throw line. And that's kind of what saved them, essentially, because their three-point shot wasn't falling. Like, we have kind of become accustomed to um, and kind of spoiled by. Another negative. OKC got out-rebounded 45-37, to which is pretty unchar- uncharacteristic of them. Um, the Kings had 33 defensive rebounds to the Thunder's 27 and 12 offensive rebounds to the Thunder's 10. Thunder got some big offensive rebounds when it mattered down the stretch, but this is a game where I personally felt like Steven and Nerlens they should have just dominated. Instead, Steven got in foul trouble, <laughs> and Nerlens was in, 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 inconsistent, which brings me to my next negative, kind of going in with this one. It's kind of a continuation of this negative. The Thunder centers. Um, the Kings didn't even start a true center. I repeat, the Kings did not even start a true center. Um, they don't really have a true center right now that's healthy. Yet, Steven only had 15 points and 7 rebounds, which isn't a terrible stat line, but compared to how he's been playing post-All-Star break against a team like this, and especially the way he started, like I mentioned earlier, I really expected Steven to have a, uh, a bigger game than this, as well as New Orleans. Um, Steven was actually a negative 10. And then you uh, a plus minus ten on the night, and then you take uh, Nerlens into consideration. He had ten points and seven rebounds. Not a bad stat line for Nerlens, but um, he was in that group that's worth the comeback. So he has a higher plus minus. But I just I still felt he was passive at times when Nerlens could have really taken over. Um, he missed some rebounds in the second and third quarters, and him and Steven both could have been just a little more aggressive. But like I said, regardless. Steven has been awesome post-All-Star break. We've talked quite a bit about this on the past couple of post-game pods in our group pod this past Sunday. And Nerland's being able to play just 20 minutes in general, a solid 20 minutes, and help spark a comeback during that time. That's huge for not only Steven's health, but just this team in general. Um, especially when we will need both of our centers <laughs> to burn night first, Giannis. So I thought Nerland's being able to come in and uh, play those minutes and kind of give Steven a little bit of rest. It honestly was pretty big, and I think it's probably a reason why um, Billy decided to keep Nerlens in over Steven, um, even when it got to a point where 
you probably could have put Steven in and he would have been safe uh, with with those fouls that he had. So my last negative, Thunder's bad second and third quarters. They were bad, like I mentioned earlier. Not just because uh, the Kings got hot, but because they weren't really trying. Um, offense, offensively, ball movements kind of stalled, which is something we're not really accustomed to. Something I think a lot of you tweet at me during the game. That's something we're used to seeing with teams of the past two seasons, not so much this season. Um, the Thunder were throwing up shots toward the end of the shot clock. You know, Gallo was kind of forced to just kind of create and try and throw up shots and make stuff happen. CP3 did the same. That kept the, the Thunder in the game and during those times, but that's not the offense, like I said, that we've become spoiled with <laughs> this season. Um, and I, I keep using that term because it's just it's such pretty offense that this Thunder team runs, and they didn't necessarily do that in the second and, or I, I should say, the entirety of the second quarter and the first half of the third quarter. Um, also, they play poor defense on the, other, uh, on the other end of the court, and they just kind of seem disengaged, like I mentioned earlier. So the reason this is a negative is because we've been seeing this more consistently. The third quarter of Tuesday's game uh, against the Bulls, I think it's a pretty good example. Me and Jacob mentioned that on the last post game. We just, we can't let this become a habit because, like I said, as we saw the past couple of seasons, that can become a problem. So I would really like to see the um, the Thunder come out tomorrow night against a really great team in the Bucks and Giannis. See them come out and just play a complete game again because you don't want to get kind of lackadaisical and uh, and kind of fall into these bad habits of like the third quarters that we've seen the past couple of games. However, this brings me to some positives because there were quite a few positives, like I said, especially the past quarter and a half uh, of, of this game. Gallinari. I mentioned he had some, some poor defense early on, but this man is just impossible to stop offensively. He led all scorers yet again with 24 points tonight. Um, at a time in the second and third quarters, like I mentioned, when the offense just kind of seemed stalled, he literally kept his team alive and was, a, as like I said, at some points, their only offensive production. Um, Gallo, he's just so good and it's so huge for this team as they transition, especially into the playoffs in games like tomorrow night against the Bucks. Gallo is a guy who can get you buckets when you, when you need it. Um, and it, he's just almost unstoppable. And so having him to be able to create, especially when you're playing that three-point guard lineup, uh, you have three creators plus Gallo, who's able to either, uh, obviously his shots from outside as we know, but also put the ball on the floor and finish around the rim or draw fouls. That's huge, um, and that's I think that's a part of why this that lineup is so good. I mentioned the three-point guard lineup. You have Gallo. You also have Steven. Four guys who can create and get the ball down low to Steven. Uh, space of four for Steven. Space of four for um, Shea and CP3 when they decide to drive is huge, and Gallo plays such a huge <laughs> I, I keep saying the word huge, but it's such a huge role uh, for that lineup and for this team in general, and so it, it was awesome to see him. Um, be able to kind of keep the team alive tonight and that he was a huge reason why this team was able to complete the comeback shay is my next positive shay's assertiveness and craftiness we're seeing this guy de develop right in front of our eyes and we say this almost every game even some of his bad games um but i and i even i tweeted he's the quietest okc scorer since kd you don't necessarily see him scoring 20 points it's not like he's scoring like gallo does for example it's not like he's hitting you know 11 straight points or anything but you look at the box score at the end of the game, and he has 20 points. And it was it was hu it, huge, especially in the fourth quarter. He helped OKC make that comeback, just the way he was able to get to the line. And uh, not to mention some of the huge rebounds down the stretch that he had. He, just, he impacts the game in so many ways. And I think it's 
some of those reasons that we're so excited about Shea and see his potential because he just impacts the game in so many different ways, um, especially offensively. And he, he does a great job defensively as well. He's continuing to improve on that end. I actually saw a, I think it was a, a, a an interview that Chris Paul had uh, a while back. But basically he mentioned how he's challenged Shea to guard some of the, the best offensive players um, that they that, that they face, and I think that's been huge for for Shea's development on the defensive end, and we're seeing that pay dividends down the road, and I think we'll continue to see that pay dividends in further seasons, even without Chris Paul. Um, so my next positive, Hamidou Diallo, Hami. Obviously, I'm a little biased, and you guys know I love Hami. If you listen to this podcast in, in the past, but he really was a spark plug, as our very own Jake called him tonight. You know, he came in when the Thunder lacked any form of energy; they were just kind of um, kind of stagnant, and Hami comes in, provides the spark that they needed, so much so that he took all Ferg's minutes in the second half, and honestly, rightfully so. I don't want to, like, rag on Ferg anymore. Um, Ferg's finally starting to get out of that slump a little bit, but in a game like tonight, you really need a guy like Hami who can just come in and give you the, give you that effort, give you that energy, and it translated uh, perfectly in the second half for this Thunder team who desperately needed it. You know, he was deflecting passes, like I mentioned earlier, saving the ball from going out of bounds. He was getting big rebounds. He even got a technical, and honestly, fairly early on when he got in, and honestly, I think that ended up sparking the team. Um, And so I don't want to say that Hami should get all Ferg's minutes by any means, but it's kind of getting to the point where I think Billy has to uh, consider splitting those minutes a little more. So that way, Hami can come in and um, and can, can, can kind of, just bring that energy because Ferg doesn't necessarily provide that even when he's being aggressive. Um, basically, if, if Ferg's not making shots on the offensive end, he's not going to contribute a whole lot compared to what Hami's able to do in all the other areas, even if Hami's not going to score a whole lot for you. So I won't go into any more detail on that on the postgame pod because I'm going a little late here, but um, that's something I think we should continue to monitor and, and touch on maybe like in future group pods because um, Hami's spark is huge for this team and it was huge for us tonight. Now, my last positive here, none other than Clutch Paul. That's a little hint. Uh, Stay tuned. We may or may not have something in the works involving the hashtag Clutch Paul um, hashtag that we've been using quite a bit on the uncontested. Really excited about that, so stay tuned. But Chris Paul continued his clutch play tonight, even with an injured finger and a a bleeding nose, like I mentioned earlier. He came in the third, hit some huge mid-rangers as Again, we've kind of become accustomed to as Thunder fans uh, this season. And that kept the Thunder alive, essentially, him and Gallo in that third quarter. Um, especially, and, and, and then he comes in the fourth and basically just finished off the Kings. Uh, he had that, like I said, that four-point play, even though he didn't make the free throw. That was huge. And then he gets two clutch free throws to end the game that, that iced the game right there. Um, I mean, he's just, he's big time. He's been a huge influence, like I mentioned earlier, for some of these younger younger guys and Clutch ball. That's all I can say. Uh, the team will go as far. I honestly, I think it's Chris Paul is able to take them, and he's really the catalyst of that. Like you need him, obviously, to stay healthy, and also to be assertive from the very beginning in big time games and the playoffs. So tomorrow, I really like to see him just come out aggressive to begin the game instead of kind of playing the uh, analyst role in the first half, where he kind of lets the game come to him, tries to get others involved. That's all great, but he needs to find a little bit more of a balance. Um, especially tonight, you know, where he was kind of slow to get going. The Thunder really needs him to be a little more aggressive, I think, um, against some of these teams like the Bucks tomorrow and just moving into the playoffs. You need him to be aggressive from the beginning. And I think that will be huge for this team. 
So you guys sent in quite a few Twitter questions and we're always super appreciative of that. So please continue to do so. Continue to send them on Reddit or Instagram or wherever and we will always try to answer those. Um, so I want to try and get through as many of these as possible. First one comes from Thunderbeard at SmellyFartbox88. He just posted a segment of the Danilo Gallinari um, song <laughs> um, that has become pretty popular amongst Thunder fans right now. He's said, just talk about, and then he posted that video. Obviously, Danilo Gallinari. Now, I mentioned him earlier, but Danilo is just awesome. Uh, one of the most underrated scores, I think, in the entire league. We certainly didn't appreciate that until this season, but even then, I think this season he's taken it to a whole new level, and it's just been incredible to see. I'm super curious about his future uh, this summer, whether he kind of pushes Presti. Hey, like Chris Paul's not getting a whole lot of trade interest. I really like to try and stay with this team, um, or if he's like, yeah, you know, I, I, Presti, you've been awesome to me. So let's, I'm gonna sign with you guys. Let's try and work out a sign trade if you're ready to move on and and build towards the future. Um, so I'm really curious to see how that all plays out. But Gallo's been awesome. Like I said, he's going to be huge for this team um, come playoff time. Um, Zayalfik. Um, he always provides some pretty awesome Twitter questions for us. He has some pretty pretty funny ones here. He said, all right, uh, this is kind of a little bit of an explanation. He has some background here, but he said, all right, bear with me. Bogdanovich is from Serbia. Gallo is from Italy. They fought together in World War One. Not those two specifically, obviously, but their countries. Um, but Italy joined late after switching sides. Italy then aided in the invasion of Yugoslavia in World War II and is the second largest contributor to KFOR. Also, if the Thunder go seven games and the... Wait, hold on. Sorry, I need to find this next tweet. Uh, given he, the historical grievances between their two nations, is it safe to say that Bog went after Gallo because he was after the Armani modeling contract? That's pretty funny. Um, yeah, that's certainly a, a good point. Bogdanovich certainly was going, kind of going after Gallo there in the fourth quarter. Um, again, I just wanted to mention that because it, it was a really funny Twitter question. But yeah, I think that's a great point. Um, then he also had a really good question. If the Thunder go seven games in the first round or even into the second, does Presti try to break up the band over the summer? Like I said, I think that depends on um, the trade value for some of his veterans come this summer. My assumption is even then he still will probably, I don't want to say blow up this team, but he will trade away some of those, as many of those guys as he, as he possibly can for maximum value if the offer is there. And I think that will uh, just continue into the summer. Our very own Kamiar Morabian asks, which is the truth? OKC didn't take Sacramento seriously, to obviously to start the game, or the itis, or they had the itis from eating bobos the night before. Oh, that's a good, that's a good point. You know, maybe they did go all, uh, go and, eat at Bobo's last night to celebrate getting the fifth seed. I'm going to go ahead and lean towards Bobo's. Uh, that, that certainly make a lot of sense. As much as we love Bobo's, why don't you keep the Thunder team away from Bobo's until the end of the season? And then as far you know, they can celebrate the season, uh, their successful season, by eating some Bobo's when the season's over. But until then, maybe maybe stay off the Bobo's. I'm with you, call me here. Melinda Redmond. <laughs> this is funny. She said, who is ready to give Chris Paul their pinky finger if he needs one? And we have quite a few replies volunteering. I think all of us will volunteer. I'm with you guys. Uh, I'm, I'm with you, Melinda. Uh, we will all uh, volunteer our pinkies and our hands and anything else that Chris Paul may need to get this team through the, uh, the rest of the regular season and the playoffs. Daniel Cohen. Why Ferg didn't play on the second half? didn't play in the second half, I think is what he meant. And uh, Hami 
injury or looking for a spot or instead I guess Hami playing instead of Ferg is what he's trying to say here. Um, it was an injury or were they just looking for a spark in the game? I mentioned this earlier. It was it was a spark. Ferg's not necessarily injured. Ferg's just kind of struggling, going through some things. I think Hami came in uh, just to be the spark plug and it worked. Uh, let's see, Black Dolphin Five. I always love love his his Twitter questions because he he packs a lot of fun questions in the one tweet. Um, really good stuff. He asked, "Who is going to guard Giannis tomorrow?" A great question. Dort or T Ferg? I would. I mean, that's tough. I honestly think they might start um, Gallo because it seems like they always seem to start at kind of on longer players like that, especially power forwards, or Giannis is kind of like a a hybrid, but I think they might start Gallo on him, as crazy as that seems, and then just try different people on him, like they had LeBron in the past, or AD in the past. I could see um, Gallo, Dort, all those guys, uh, uh, Tifer, like you mentioned, all those guys getting different chances of guarding Giannis, and whatever kind of works, I see them sticking with. Maybe even Nerlens. We'll get some time on Giannis tomorrow, but I'm very curious to see that as well. Why is Presti and Donovan not being talked for GM Coach of the Year as much? Um, Donovan's getting some talk for Coach of the Year. I haven't really heard much in general about GM of the Year. Uh, I think Presti definitely has to be up there. But Donovan's right up there, um, if not tied for first, a very close second behind some of these people like uh, Nick Nurse. And, um, yeah, I, 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 honestly, I'm, just, I'm thinking through it. And I think Donovan absolutely has to be up there, so I'm with you. And then finally he asks if is not playing, who is going to provide the same spark uh, for threes, and I think that's a really good question. Uh, this team just kind of plays a different way when Gallo's out, and it worked tonight when you have guys like Homie coming in, for example. Uh, with Baisley out, that kind of changes things, changes things a little bit. They, but they adjust their style of play. Uh, they push the floor, they push the pace a little more. They don't shoot as many threes, um, but it worked for this team. So even if they aren't quite as efficient from the three-point line, when obviously Gallo's out. You have other players who can step up, and they, they, they just play a different style of basketball when Gallo's at sitting on the bench. And so I, it's not necessarily that they're supplementing three-point shots. They're just they're playing a different way, and it's been working, knock on wood, uh, so far. Jack, uh, Jake Fisher, sorry, he asked, How much did Pressy know, and when did he know it? Thunder fans demand the truth. And I think he is referring to um, early on, at knowing like before the season started, knowing this team would be so good. I don't think Pressy did know it. He made the right trades, obviously. I mean, getting all those draft picks and getting some incredible players in return. But I don't, I, I don't think Pressing necessarily was like building a roster when he was doing this. Um, he was just building for the future and was able to get to just, he's just so great at these things, at, at these trades and negotiations that he was able to get um, the right players to return. And then Simon, Simon Diamond 20. He asked, what's the Thunder's eight-man rotation look like in the playoffs? That's tough. Um, I certainly would say the starting five. Then you obviously have to add in uh, Shooter and Noel. That's seven. And from there, I think it's just a combination based off matchups. So um, probably Tifer will get some minutes there. Baisley, when he's healthy, if he gets healthy, which I'm sure he will, will probably get a a little bit of minutes there. Uh, I think that eighth spot is just going to be like a constantly, um, you just kind of rotating players in and out of that that eighth eighth spot there. So like I said, Ferguson, um, probably we'll see some Nader, <laughs> uh, as well as he's been playing and just kind of whoever's working, maybe even some Diallo, just whoever's working in that spot, I think is well, who, who will be that eighth spot. Might even see nine guys, like I said. Um, so yeah, that'll, that'll be really interesting to monitor, but obviously the, this Thunder team's deep. That's a huge, uh, kind of perk for them. 
That's something that they have going for them heading into the playoffs. And so we might see like a nine-ish guy rotation heading into the playoffs, something that we're not usually accustomed to. And then finally, Michael at MD uh, Limley, 1987, he asked, what do the Thunder need to do in order to take down the Bucks?" And obviously the most um, obvious answer there, I think, is to try and stop Giannis as much as you can. Giannis is going to get his, but also just locking down maybe on the guys outside of Giannis. So, um, for example, Dort and Ferguson being, being able to play great defense on Middleton and stopping their point guards, Bledsoe. Um, all the other guys who have been, Lopez, all the other guys that have been contributing uh, outside of Giannis, being able to just play solid defense on them, and then playing a complete offensive game. Against a team like the Bucks, like I mentioned earlier, you cannot afford to um, to have second and third quarters like Thunder get, did tonight, or a third quarter like the Thunder did against the Bulls. They have to be locked in and engaged from the very beginning. I'm not saying they have to have a perfect offensive game by any means, but they can't have some of these possessions they take off offensively or defensively. Um, so they need a consistent offensive game. I think CP3 to be aggressive from the beginning. And like I said, Giannis is going to get his, limit him as much as you can, but just locking down those guys outside of Giannis, especially Middleton and Lopez, I think will be key. Um, so I think that is all we have. You guys had some incredible Twitter questions. I went a little long because I want to make sure to answer as many of those as possible. So thank you guys again so much for listening to the Uncontested Postgame Podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed listening. Um, if you did, please be sure to Give us a follow if you don't already. We're on all social media platforms. Um, I'm trying to be a little more active on Reddit. We don't have an actual account on Reddit, um, but I'm using my personal account to post all of our stuff. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at the underscore uncontested. Um, You can find us on uh, Instagram the same. We have a Facebook page on Facebook, obviously, and we're trying to be more and more active on all those platforms. It's been huge for us. You guys have been awesome on all those. We're super appreciative of you. So uh, thank you guys again. Be sure to give us a follow. Be sure as well to follow Blue Wire Pods on all their social media platforms. Give them a a look on uh, their, their websites and be sure to listen to all their different podcasts that they have, like I mentioned earlier, earlier in our podcast. BetOnline.ag, our sponsor, they're awesome. Be sure to give them a follow on Twitter. Uh, they're always posting some fun stuff. They're just a fun follow just in general, even if you're not wanting to, to bet, if you're not a, a gambler. But even if you are, I encourage you to go and look at their site. Um, so like I said, be sure to follow them, follow us, follow Blue Wire Pods, give us a five-star rating. And next up, tomorrow night, the Thunder play the Milwaukee Bucks. A pretty huge game. We will have you guys covered for that. We will also have you guys covered Sunday night. We'll be, we will be recording a, a kind of a weekly recap group podcast. Um, we'll recap this past week of Thunder basketball and look ahead to, to the coming week. So we'll all the major games in the NBA. Be sure to be on the lookout for that. And until next time, thunder up.